Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. What a great week we had at Pebble Beach for the 119th United States Open Championship. Congratulations to Gary Woodland. We all know what a great player Gary Woodland is, and we all know that he can hit the shots and he can make the putts, and he did it. He really held off some great competition coming down the stretch on the back nine at Pebble Beach. So I always look to a shot or two that really tells me that that player is going to win. And at first, I thought it was Gary's three wood on 14. The unreachable par five, Gary Woodland is so long that he drove it out to the corner and he had a choice. He could lay it up, leave himself with a, a very difficult short iron shot. Could be anything from a sandwich to an eight iron to that pin on that top left side, that's a scary shot. Or he could hit it with a three wood and try to put it on the green. Well, he said, uh, I'm here to win. I'm going to hit three wood. And he hit an unbelievable shot, carried that deep front left bunker, actually landed it on the green, and it trickled off into a very difficult lie, a little little down in the grass, a little bit wet, hit a good pitch and made a really good putt for a four, which gave him a two-shot lead. So I actually thought that was probably going to be the cushion he needed. Until he got to 17, the par 3, and he hit a bad iron to the right. Now, for everybody that knows the 17th green, it's a bit of an hourglass laying on its side or a figure 8. And he put it on the front right of the green, and he couldn't putt it. His ball was just on the fringe, and he had to go over the corner, a big nose in the middle of the green. There's a bunker there, and a nose comes off that bunker and bisects the green. So he really had no shot except to pitch it off the green or off the the edge of the green and for anybody that struggles with their chipping you know how difficult a shot that is but for a tour player of Gary's uh, caliber I didn't think it was going to be a problem but judging the distance judging how much spin you're going to have because if you nip it if you don't take a divot off the green you're going to have a lot more spin and that's exactly what he did he played it literally to near perfection the ball almost went in it went up there about a foot and a half and that was when I said that's the shot that Gary Woodland's going to look back on and say that was the uh, one that helped me win the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. I think some stories going in, the three stories I looked at was Brooks Kepka trying to win three in a row. First time that would have been done since 1905 when Willie Anderson did it. The other storyline I was looking at was Phil Mickelson. Could Phil finally win a U.S. Open after being runner-up six times in his career. And if he did win that U.S. Open, or if when he does win the U.S. Open, if that ever happens, he will complete the career Grand Slam. There's only been five players in the history of the game to do that. Uh, Jack, Gary Player, Tiger, Gene Sarazen, and Ben Hogan. So that is some elite company. And the other storyline I was looking at was Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, who had won in 2000 at Pebble Beach, he won the U.S. Open there by a record 15 shots, which is unthinkable. That's like seeing a a driver win the Indy 500 by 15 laps. It just doesn't happen. As difficult as the course is, as much much pressure as there is on the course, and also with the the field you're you're playing against. So now, where do these players go from here? I know the next big event, the next major, is the Open Championship at Portrush. I'll be there working with NBC Sports, and I'm looking forward to that. Tiger is hinting that he probably won't play until then, which I think is the right thing. He needs some time off. 
He's 43 years old. As you know, he's got that back fusion surgery. He's still playing as well as he ever has, but he needs the rest. He needs the recovery. So I applaud what Tiger's doing. Brooks Kepka, what a run he's been on. The last three U.S. Opens, first, first, and second. So no reason to think that Brooks Kepka is ever going to slow down. So look for him to be one of the top three, top four, top five favorites heading into Royal Port Rush. And certainly thinking about Phil, I know Phil, he's so confident. He still has all the shots. He's got probably the best short games in the history of the, in the, uh, in the game of golf. So I think Phil will turn his sights now to Wingfoot. 2020 next year's u.s open and you know phil he's going to have a game plan for wingfoot it's a different course than pebble beach i think it's one of the great venues that we play the usga championship on a couple of words about the low amateur in the field victor hovland from norway victor hovland played his collegiate golf at oklahoma state and i think he and his teammate matthew wolf are two of the most exciting young talents to come out of college in uh, in a long time. Victor just, he looks like he's ready for the tour right now. I watched him on the broadcast. I saw him a little bit in person. I was there uh, all week until Sunday. So keep your eye on Victor Hovland. He's, uh, boy, I love to watch him play. He's got a big smile on his face at all times. He seems to be somebody that really enjoys being out there and having a chance to, to compete against the best. I also want to send a shout out and congratulations to Brooke Henderson for her win at the Meyer LPGA Classic. Brooke Henderson, if you've never watched her play, you're missing something special. She has got a golf swing that I love to analyze. I'm a big, big swing analysis type of guy. I love to go on YouTube and look at all, all swings from all eras. And when I watch Brooke Henderson hit, I, it's just, it, it amazes me the positions she gets in, the power she's got, and the way that she plays. And also, like I just mentioned about Victor Hovland, she's got a big smile on her face when she plays. So congratulations to Victor. Congratulations to Gary Woodland and congratulations to Brooke Henderson. One last thought on that special pitch that Gary Woodland hit on the 17th green. It really reminded me of the magic that Tom Watson had back in 1982. And you go all the way back to 72 when Jack Nicklaus hit the flag with a one iron when he went on to win. So we always think about the 18th at Pebble Beach. We talk about the 8th, probably the greatest par 3 in the history of the game. But When you think back on the history of what has happened on the par 317th at Pebble Beach, you've got three pretty good names now to to reflect back on. Nicholas, Watson, and now Gary Woodland. So to put a bow on the U.S. Open, and what a great event it was, we're going to catch up with former PGA Tour player Jason Gore, who is now the Senior Director of Player Relations for the USGA. It'll be interesting to talk to Jason about how he felt the week went. And I'm very excited about catching up with my pal Wesley Bryan, 2017 RBC Heritage Classic Champion, who actually is not playing right now. He's out on a medical medical leave because he had shoulder surgery. It's called a major medical extension. So he's going to start sometime in the fall. But we're going to play a little word game with Wesley coming up. It's a jungle in here. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, and I'm a proud University of Oregon duck, and I love being from the Pacific Northwest, but 
When all three of my children went east for college, I knew I needed to change things up. I wanted to get back into their same time zone. So after an extensive search, my wife and I ended up in the Naples, Florida area. But I wished I'd had Golf Life Navigators to help me make that decision. Golf Life Navigators is like Match.com meets Zillow. It's the only place you can go to uncover your ideal golf lifestyle. So go to GolfLifeNavigators.com and fill out the Pro Guide 3 questionnaire. It will ask you all the pertinent questions like, where do you want to live? Or how do you want to experience your golf? Then it matches you to golf clubs, and you get to choose which one has the best environment for you. Look, I, I really don't understand the internet or how it works, but it's so easy even I can figure this out. I'm happy to be joined now by Jason Gore, PGA Tour veteran, but now is with the United States Golf Association. He's the Senior Director of Player Relations, his first year with the USGA. Jason, you're driving home right now from Pebble Beach. Tell me, tell me how you think the week went on uh, what is arguably one of the greatest golf courses in the world. I think it went incredible. I just, you know, coming from a USGA standpoint, um, it was smooth. There was no controversy. It was about the players. It wasn't about anything that, that we tried to do. And that, that was that was kind of my big, when I came in there, I'm like, you know what, we got to make this about the players. And, and um, you know, I, I just, I thought it went incredibly. Everybody was happy. I mean, I even got a text this morning from Ian Poulter after his sidewinding dance moves in the bunker on top. And he said it was, it was, an incredible week, and that stuff like that meant a lot to me. It means a lot to me. Well, I think it was an important week and an important year for the USGA because, rightfully or wrongfully, the USGA has been criticized by just about everybody from media and players and spectators about their setup. And personally, being a USGA guy myself, I, I, I never think that organizations get enough credit for the good they do. Uh, only the bad things or only the mistakes stand out. So I thought the setup was was fair. I think the players are familiar with the golf course. So do you think do you think that lend uh, lend itself to the good scoring? Well, I was I was lucky to be involved with a lot of the whole locations and setup of the golf course, and it was it was we had a great team. And and you know what you you know better than anybody how quickly the weather can change a pebble even if it's not predicted. So I think we just wanted to protect ourselves from that. You know, we didn't want to get caught with, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, with our pants down. And um, we just, we wanted to make it fair. We wanted to reward good shots because I have a one theory, and it's you can't stop great players from playing great golf. If they're going to hit great shots, then you got to reward them. And, you know, I think with the help of Chris Dahlhammer and his crew, his, you know, his greenskeeping crews, and, I mean, those greens were the best I've ever seen at Pebble Beach, maybe anywhere. And, um, you know, with all these, with the familiarity of, of Pebble Beach and these guys playing there for so many years at the AT&T and, you know, the Pebble Beach Invitational and stuff like that, they know where the, where they're breaking. And when you get greens that, that great and that smooth and, and they're staying online, all you have to do is start it online with the right speed. You know it's not going to bounce offline. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. And guys were just chipping in left and right like it was their job. I guess it is their job, but um, it, it was just a great, exciting week for golf. 
you've won on both the web.com and the PGA Tour, so you bring a wealth of knowledge and experience. So I'm excited to hear that you are involved in this setup. But but let me ask you a little bit of a, from player to player, a little bit of a, a bothersome. You've won at Pebble Beach. I've won at Pebble Beach. We both we both know the golf course so well. Does it bother you that all the so many players were hitting irons off the tee, number one, and that there are no par fives in golf anymore? What what uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, it, Pebble plays so differently from February to June. You know, in February, it's always kind of rainy. It's kind of a quagmire, and, you know, there's par fives there, but that's just how good these guys are now. They're just bigger, stronger, faster, younger. You know, because, like, when I came out, I wasn't allowed to be great. I was always kind of tapped on my head and said, yeah, you'll get it, son. You know, but I think now these guys are trained properly, you know, and they're just they're, they're mature, so much more more mature, younger than, you know, when I came out or when you came out. So I just think it's, I don't know, I, I, I don't like it, but, you know, it, it, it's great. It, it's fun to watch. I can't. Uh... It, there are players. The players coming out now, as you pointed out, they're better athletes. They train, they lift weights, they work out. I never even went anywhere near a gym. Uh, I, and I don't know I don't know how much you worked out, but, but Tiger Woods brought that in. But when I say there's no more par fives anymore, there are par fives on the card, but let's be honest. Everybody can reach these par fives and two, at least everybody coming out on tour these days. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I worked out a little, but I, I I know a guy named Jim, but that's, that's about the only Jim I know. It's, it was, it certainly wasn't GYM. But, um, you know, they're just they're trained younger, better teaching, and just there's more knowledge to be had, and, and they're using it. And, you know, the equipment's so much better. We can't forget about that. And, um, you know, guys like Dustin Johnson 30 years ago would never be allowed to play golf. And I think it's great. You're getting just these ultra athletes. I mean, now you had a, you had a former college basketball player now winning the U.S. Open. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing. No, it is, it is a cool thing. So let's talk a little bit about you transitioning from the PGA Tour from inside the ropes, now going outside the ropes as uh, the Senior Director of Player Relations for the USGA, and you and I have talked many times about how how valuable you're going to be in this role because one of the difficult things about golf is we're all in the same business, but getting the players to relate to any organization, it could be the PGA Tour, the PGA of America, or the USGA, you're there to help bridge that gap. Yeah, and that's I'm there to help answer the questions. You know, there's a bunch of questions that I, I've been lucky. I was a Walker Cupper in 97. So I've had relationships with the USGA. And, and now Jeff Hall, who was my Walker Cup manager, is now probably top five in the USGA. So, you know, he's the managing, I believe his title is managing director of uh, rules and championships. So, um, so like, I've always had him there. And not a lot of people, not a lot of players had that in with the USGA where you can have, you can call and they'll all answer your questions. And sometimes it's just a big misunderstanding. Because believe me, in, in Liberty Corner, New Jersey, they all love golf. We all love golf. And they don't ever want to do something to hurt the game. And, and I just think there was a lot of questions that needed to be answered, you know, especially about rules or setup. And, and now I'm not out there to change minds. I don't want to change it to a player's mind. You know, that's probably the most difficult thing in the world is, is we're all a little hard-headed and stuck in our ways. But I just want to answer their questions so they can change their own minds. 
I, I don't want to be the guy walking around, you know, and please like us. You know, you have to like us. They don't have to like <laughs> us. They just, they just have to, they deserve to know, to know the truth and to know the answers, like from rules to where the, you know, what, what we do with the money that we make and, you know, how we're a charity and how we have to donate every dollar back to the game of golf and, you know, it's it, just stuff like that. How would they know the answer? There was nobody to go to. So I'm just there to try to help them and, and just, Give them the give them the facts and give them the clarity that they want, and they can um, they can use it how they wish. So now that you've got one U.S. Open under your belt, you just started with the USGA this year. How excited are you about Wingfoot in 2020? Uh, Wingfoot is an incredible venue, and what what do you anticipate heading to the great state of New York? I've it's it's a hard golf course, man. <laughs> it is. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a little different next year, but like I said, if they hit good golf shots, if they execute what they're trying to do, they're gonna have a look at birdie, and that's just it. It's just it's, you have to walk single file sideways down some of those fairways at Wingfoot, and it's gonna be a little bit more penal than Pebble was, and you're not gonna have the Pacific Ocean there to, to wipe away your bad memories. But uh, <laughs> no ice plant, no ice plant, <laughs> but. Uh, it's going to be one of the best venues we got, at the, you know, for the U.S. Open. And it's a true, stoic, classic U.S. Open golf course. And it's going to be going to be great. I can't wait to get it, get my fingers on it and, you know, with the team. And, and uh, let's go have some fun. Well, Jason, thanks for your time. I know you're in the car heading back home. Drive carefully. And I hope our paths cross soon somewhere in the world of golf. And I wish you all the best of luck. I think the USGA has got the right guy in this position. Thank you, Peter. I, I hope we hope to see you very, very soon. Always love hanging out with you. All right, drive careful. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Peter. Hi, I'm Wesley Bryan, and Peter's got no idea what he's doing. But listen to Jake's takes anyway. So happy to welcome 2017 RBC Heritage Classic champion, the pride of the great state of South Carolina, Mr. Wesley Bryan, to the Jake's Takes podcast. Wesley, welcome. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you starting off by saying the great state of South Carolina. I do. I do. I pre- that warms every, my heart. Every state in the union is great. <laughs> You're unbelievable. That's a, that's a <laughs> hot take right there. All right, so we're here at the U.S. Open. Wesley... Tell us a little bit about what you're going through. You had shoulder surgery, so you're on a major medical, and uh, you're just rehabbing back into shape. Tell us how that's going. Uh, yeah, so the rehab is going, I would say, right on schedule. Um, they give you a timeline that's, I don't know, five to six months before you're able to take full wax at it with a driver, and that's kind of where we're at right now, working up into that. And then um, another few months of strengthening it before you can – uh, put like a full workload together to try and maybe potentially compete. So um, still a couple months out, but uh, here we are. We're, we're, we're progressing right along. When you got your card, you, you came right off the web.com. You won some tournaments out there. You got a promotion to the PGA Tour, and you won early on. I mean, it's pretty impressive to win that quickly in your PGA Tour career, but you mentioned to me yesterday that uh, the the dream died quickly when you got hurt. And we talked about the ups and downs of playing the mm-hmm. tour, not only shooting bad scores and good scores, but also mostly being bad, injured. Mostly bad scores during that stretch. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, like we were talking yesterday, the ups and downs, uh, the the lows can only get so low when you're out playing on the PGA Tour, traveling to literally the coolest places on the planet, 
and getting the red carpet rolled out for you every week. So uh, the lows on the PGA Tour, uh, don't feel sorry for me at all. Um, it's still a, a blessing to be able to do what I do. But, um, I mean, I've, I've battled through a lot in my golf career. Uh, in college, I went through um, some way darker uh, points in golf than I had this past year. But uh, playing hurts tough. I'm sure you've done it for a lot of years, but... Um, you just, you can't get comfortable. You can't get in a rhythm out there just cause you're worried about where the next pain is going to jab you. And, um, so the, I, I guess I'm trending in the right direction to having a bionic left shoulder. So I shouldn't have to worry about that anymore. Talk about the transition from playing amateur golf, college golf to the web.com all the way to the PGA tour. What did you have to change or what did you have to learn to be able to win on tour? Uh, the biggest transition for me, uh, so you go from junior golf where you play, I mean, a lot of really easy golf courses that are set up with pins in the middle of the greens, and then you transition to college golf, and I played uh, in the SEC, major, major big conference, as big as you can get on the college stage, and you transition to playing some really big, long, hard, set-up tough golf courses. Uh, and what I learned through those four years is that I just, I got to hit the ball better. Uh, I always had a really, really good short game, really good wedge game. Uh, but when it came to hitting the ball, there was, uh, guys that I teed up to my left and to my right that just hit it way better than me. So that was one thing, uh, transitioning to pro golf that I knew I had to, uh, get better at. And, um, from there transitioning back from college golf to now when I got on the mini tours and then web.com tour, you're back to, I mean, not saying they're cupcake golf courses, but if you just look at the scores week in and week out, uh, the web.com tour isn't, the golf courses aren't set up as tough. I don't know if it's, um, what, what attributes to that, but you got to learn on that tour to take it really low, make a lot of birdies. Uh, so I got on a little bit of a heater there in 2015 and 16 and, um, kind of rode that one, uh, all the way through the first half of the 17 season on the PGA tour. Who helped you make that transition to be a better ball striker? Are you, are you one of the guys that looks for a famous teacher like a Butch Harmon or a Ledbetter or a Jim McLean, someone like that, or did you work with somebody and continue to that you might have grown up with? Yeah, so I grew up. My dad's a golf instructor, and he he was always the the watchdog over my golf swing. Uh, I was always a little bit hard-headed. I don't know if you could pick up on that in our time together. No, not at all. So I I wasn't always the greatest listener. I would uh, take the information in, I would filter it and spin it the way I wanted to hear it, and then I would go and what I did was just figured out how to work with what I had to make it better. So I didn't seek a lot of counsel in the golf swing and uh, I just put in a lot of hours to try and figure out to do what I'd do as good as I possibly can do it. You and your wife, Elizabeth, just uh, welcomed a new addition. Mm-hmm. Tell us about traveling the tour with, what, a six-month-old now? She's six months, and so when we had her, uh, that was right when I had my surgery, or I, I had her just before the surgery, but uh, this was actually our first trip getting on an airplane with uh, an infant or newborn or whatever you want to call it, and well, dadgum, it looks like you're traveling for a year, going on a, a trip. So we just had bags everywhere and pack and plays and strollers and car seats. and Yeah, it's 
these first year and a half, two years are going to have to go by pretty quick. So give us an update on where you are with your golf swing. You're taking a major medical this year, so... Major medical. When do you think you will come back and play on tour? Will it be this year or maybe in 220? You know, I haven't made my official announcement. Uh, i got to get with all my people and make sure I, I, I release the information. At the pro- <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jake. The goal <laughs> is uh, to come back in January. I love uh, the Sony in Hawaii. I love Hawaii. Um, so that's kind of the target. If I'm ready by then, great. Uh, the way the schedule falls, it, as far as getting my rehab starts, you get, I think, five of them. There's the web.com tour season will be over. Uh, I could maybe get into some events over in Europe potentially uh, during that little off season, but I'd like to be able to at least get a few rehab starts in. If I, if I have to go to Asia, Australia, I wouldn't mind doing that, but so by way of explanation, tell us what a major medical means. Do you get an uh, X number of tournaments? Do you get the entire year? Can you play as many events as you want? So I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know how the system works. Um, I just know that when I come back, I've got uh, X number of events. So they take, I guess, the average number of events from the people in your category, which they played. You subtract the number of events you already played in that schedule. And I, I think I played maybe four or five in the fall um, uh, before withdrawing in my last event. So I guess I'll have probably around 20 events to make enough points to keep going. So just again, I want to be able to talk a little bit about what you did in your prior Mm. career. For everybody that knows Wesley and George Bryan... They know you we were guys. some struggling mini tour players. That's what <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, but you're you're a trick shot artist. Tell them. Ah, yeah, that. the trick shot artist. So yeah, we uh, we got really really bored and really broke uh, when we were in our mid twenties out there chasing it on the mini tours, and uh, we saw a video on ESPN and two guys they hit a ball out of midair. I mean, it was impressive, but it didn't look like that impressive to where it was. It should have been the number one play on Sports Center. So uh, by us being really bored, we went out and tried it and found that I could hit the ball out of the air pretty well. And so we just rolled with it, got popular on Instagram amongst our buddies, and then uh, started a YouTube channel. And then people started asking if they could pay us to produce content for him and I was like holy crap we can make a dang business out of this so, and we we heard you a couple yeah, times exactly. and you were great. yeah uh, Peter Jacobs and Sports they said hey we'd love for you guys to come and do some stuff with us so yeah that's uh that's kind of how that story went we rode that way for a couple years until I got on uh, the web.com tour and uh that dream died but uh it was it was fun while we were doing it Okay, enough of that serious stuff. Are you ready to play a game? I love games. Uh, yeah, yep. I call this golf cart trivia, and this okay. game is a game of this or that. I'm going to give you a choice between two things, and you tell me which you would write. rather have this or that. Okay, are, All right. you, are you ready? Ready as, ready as I can be. This could be 18 holes, 18 right. questions. All Here right. we go. Would you rather watch the NBA or the NHL? NBA, NBA. Goodness gracious. It didn't even matter what you put after that. How about college football or the NFL? NFL. Unless the University of South Carolina is playing. They trump everything, but I'm taking NFL all day. On the golf course, do you prefer a dog leg left or a dog leg right? <laughs> Depends on if, what I'm hitting that day. I would say uh, dog leg left. See, these are deep questions. These right. Are, I want you I, to think about these. I mean, I can, I can sling hook it with the best of them. Would you rather deal with bad weather or slow play? Bad weather. Mm. Would you rather watch a... By the way, did I tell tell you that I played a full round of golf on the PGA Tour in under an hour and a half? 
No. Have I told you that? No. Tell us. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's time for a little story. Um, I, my PGA Tour season was over unless I shot about a 51 uh, in the playoffs in 2017. And I was uh, first out in a onesome. And me and my 49-year-old caddy that uh, passed his prime physically, uh, I decided I was just going to test him. And, and we conjured up an hour and 29 minutes, 18 holes. Shot wow. 69. Best Where round was of the week. Which, which course? It was at, uh, in Chicago, uh, Conway maybe? Conway Farms? Conway Farms possibly. I think. Wow, that's fast. That's fast. That's fast. I didn't know that. Okay, back to golf cart trivia. All right, here we go. Would you rather go see a Broadway play or a live rock concert? Broadway. A tattoo or a piercing? Tattoo. <laughs> How about, would you rather have a cabin in the mountains or a villa on the beach? Uh, I'm a mountain man. Would you rather eat an but my But my wife is a beach woman, so I, I probably should re-answer that question and yeah. say beach. Bill on the beach. You see, <laughs> yes. you're, you're a smart yep. man. Would you rather have an In-N-Out burger or a Philly cheesesteak? Mm, give me an In-N-Out burger. When you play at home, do you use a yardage book or do you play by feel? I have never used a yardage book in a non-competitive round. Would you rather watch ESPN or the History Channel? ESPN. Do you take your daughter to the park or to Chuck E. Cheese? I'm going to take her to the park. Those ball pits, man, that, the amount of disease that I think is floating in those things, I'm out on that. You wait till she gets a little older, you'll be at Chuck E. Cheese with my grandkids. Would you rather play off Do you have great? Do you have great-grandkids? No, yeah. great, I have grandkids. Just I'm grandkids? not that okay. old yet. I know you thought. I asked you how old I was, which oh. I'm 65, and you said, are you 85? Mid-70s, late-70s is what I thought. <laughs> Would you rather play off bent grass or Bermuda grass? Uh, ooh, soft bent fairways. For massive divots in firm Bermuda greens. That, I didn't ask you that question. What you, you said, just, would you, which would you, you rather play adap- on? You, rather- you just adapted my question, but I have to give you credit for it. That was a very good answer. I'm creative. You're very creative. Would you rather watch the Shawshank Redemption movie or Forrest Gump? Dumb and Dumber. That's your favorite movie, Dumb and Dumber? I mean, yeah. Okay, so that answer would be Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Which is a better par three, the seventh at Pebble or the twelfth at Augusta National? The t- uh, the any hole at Augusta National takes cake over anything. Would you rather have broccoli or asparagus? Asparagus. Hmm, I like broccoli too, though. Would you rather read a good book or watch a good movie? Watch a good movie. Would you rather hit a really long drive offline or a decent one in the fairway? <laughs> I mean, I hit a lot of decent ones offline. Never done the long thing, so I'm just going to go long and way offline just to see what it feels like. When you're playing on the course, do you use a specialty ball marker or just a coin? I use a specialty Johnson Gray design, shout out to my brother-in-law, ball marker. Wow. I just use a coin. I'm not that creative. We'll get you you something nice. And the last question, 19th hole question. This This is a deep one. You told what's, me the right team. What's a better way to lower your handicap? Work on your short game or play fewer holes? Hmm. Work on your short game for sure. Have you ever and thought about playing fewer holes? Play more holes. I think playing, if you'd have said go to the range or short game, obviously it's short game. It depends on what your handicap is, actually. If you're a high handicap, just go and putt and chip for as many hours as you possibly can for as long as you can and then go play golf again. Wesley, thank you for playing Golf Cart Trivia. Absolutely. Does this happen to you? 
A perfect lie in the fairway results in another ball in the water? What about that pesky downhill three-footer? Yeah, you know you're going to miss it again. It's enough to drive you crazy. Well, I've got the solution for you. It's been clinically tried and tested, and it works. It's time you discover Try Not Karen. When you're depressed about your game, do you want to go practice? No, no, I don't. When your swing feels terrible, do you want to tee it up with your pals tomorrow? Not a chance. Bad golf hurts. Depression, frustration, emotional outbursts can occur. You feel you're in a battle for your dignity, your honor, and your sanity. So let go of that frustration and anxiety and discover, try not caring. It's the only thing I've found that helps at all levels of ability and intensity. So for me, for you, for all of us, try not caring. Talk to your pro. Try not caring just might be the answer for you. Especially if you have the first tee jitters or feel the pressure of another short putt or if you have no athletic ability whatsoever. Try not caring. You'll be glad you did. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours? <laughs>